2: So I decided to, to watch something on a train again. And I wound up with a boy sat next to me, 13. Mm-hmm. So his mom has sat across the aisle from him and he's got a younger sister, but the family has had to kind of disperse. And I, I had, you know, spread out.
1: Had you strewn your possessions all around? Yeah. Were you at a table or were you in the airline style seats? Airline like- style. So had you folded down two trays and were occupying both? Two trays occupying both. That is a bold move. It's a bold move.
2: I've never done it before. There was a reason I did it and it had to do with some veggie sushi from itsu <laughs> that I was trying to like, I was trying to do a whole thing. A platter? I was trying to give myself the first class experience. <laughs> Third standard class, and so then this boy comes around. So, I sit, when I, he sits down, I'm like mortified about the extent to which I've spread out. And I was like, I'm so sorry, and he's like, No, leave it there. Leave it. The, he's like, Tell me to leave the sushi right in front of him. And I was like, No, 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 that's please, of course not. That's fine. So, I after the initial settling in period, <laughs> I have this you know awareness that there's like a sweet big boy next to me, and I get lost in the program. Fine, so. It's going to be a hair of a spoiler for my quick watch, but the program I was watching, it was Drag Race Francaise. And one of the categories, like for every runway that they do, there's like a category. And the category was Liberté, Egalité, Jean-Paul Gaultier. Like so great. I'm like, oh, I love this. And because it was Jean-Paul Gaultier... And I, I mean, I didn't know this, but I learned it from the show. One of his most iconic looks was when he did the cone bra for of Madonna. Course, of course, yeah. but I didn't know that. Even me, the fashionista, <laughs> <laughs> even the fashionista didn't know. So I want to say four out of 12 were doing a cone bra thing. And at some point I become aware that he's telling his sister to come on over. Let's say he's 13 or 14 she's 11. And they're like leaning over each
1: other. To see what the crazy lady is watching.
2: And you know, it's not just that. It is a visually spicy show. and also be, oh my God, I forgot about this part. This was part of the problem. I had to watch with subtitles. So they're saying all this stuff about their tucks and their pussies and all this. <laughs> and they're like laughing at me. And so I've gone from being able to just have this moment with Liberté, Egalité, Fraternité, Jean Bocatien, To being
1: laughed at by children. All right, we should tell them about our guest. Now, this is Nepo Friendy. It's one of your comedy colleagues, but we should be so lucky because she is one of the hottest comedians in the country, R.N. Right Now.
2: R.N. Right Now. She is a star on the rise after 20 years in the biz. That's right. We're talking about a late-in-life success story. (laughs) It is my friend and stand-up powerhouse, Jen Brister.
1: And she has a new special out. It's called The Optimist. It's released through 800-pound Gorilla. Now, that is a comedy stable. Tell me more. They've released stand-up specials from the likes of Kevin Hart, Bill Burr. They've released comedy albums from megastars like Jerry Seinfeld. They look after the legacy of Lucille Ball, Robin Williams, the Smothers Brothers, Bob Newhart. They are serious. They have clearly noticed all the views Jen has been racking up online and all the tickets she's been a-selling. Oh, my God, that bitch
2: can move some tickets. I'm very happy for her.
1: <laughs> and now they are bringing her into your home. And later, she's joining us to talk about it, Jen Bristow.
2: Le quick word. Cette semaine, j'ai regardé le show de télévision de fenton Belly. A dit à moi, il faut que tu regardes show. J'ai dit d'accord. Ça, ça
1: How much of what you're saying is French?
2: La grammaire est très mal. Mais je pense que les mots sont correct. Sac le bleu. Okay, so when we spoke to Fenton Bailey last week, he brought up one particular queen, Nikki Dahl. Now Nikki Dahl was in season 12 of Drag Race US and she was a Parisian queen but she was living in New York and I found her very underwhelming. So when Fenton said to me, "No, no, no. Drag Race Francaise, says she is a star. Watch." I thought with my arm. So, the first thing that was startling for me is I don't put myself in the category of people who cannot watch things with subtitles. I'm into subtitles and I'm a cultured bitch.
1: Sometimes we will tolerate things with subtitles that we would never give the time of day to if they didn't have subtitles.
2: Yeah, like it would probably feel like a soap opera to us if it was actually in English, but we're like, I don't know, they're speaking Danish, feels pretty fun to me. (laughs) But I have never before watched a reality show in a foreign language. Uh Uh-huh. And it took a lot of getting used to because I realized that what I do with drag races, cozy up and watch something I'm really familiar with. And then like, look at vintage, which I just can't get enough of these days. (laughs) Google Sam Bankman Freed again. You know, do my shit while I watch. And you can't do that with subtitles. The other thing that took a bit of adjustment, I assumed Nikki Dahl was going to be one of the regular guest judges. Incorrect. Nikki Dahl is the RuPaul. Uh-huh. I'm about to watch Drag Race, Rue Free, Sac Le Bleu. <laughs> I was... Deguigé. I don't even know what deguigé means. I made that up. Diguison De, like disgusted. Uh-huh. I was like, what the fuck? But I've decided that if I can get as into Drag Race, says, as I am into Drag Race US, I think I could really wind up speaking French for real.
1: <laughs> you You think your French is at such a level... That watching it will top you up.
2: Uh, here's what I think. it took you
1: over to be like a native speaker. <laughs>
2: Incorrect. Because my French isn't good. But what I'm saying is, like, what if I could do that instead of like a language course? Like, what if I Rosetta Stone this shit by a Drag Race Process? <laughs> do
1: you know, I once knew a guy who learned to swim by watching television. What? He was one of these adults who couldn't swim. And then one year, he and his wife went on holiday <laughs> And he jumped into the pool and started doing the breaststroke, and she like jumped off a sun lounger. And said, what's what's going on? Have you been having lessons? And it had been the Olympics that year, and he just paid very careful attention to how they swam.
2: Wait a second, there was no like. Can I see a weird thing that's been going on for me? I feel like I'm starting to think
1: I could actually learn to swim just by
2: how much Olympics I'm watching. Yes. If I ever had that thought, you would know about it by the end of the day.
1: You're not one for leaving a thought unexpressed.
2: You keep telling yourself that. <laughs>
1: Oh, I've got a question for you. I've heard you say that the queens on the American <laughs> version are more polished than the British ones, but the British ones are funnier.
2: This is a gross generalization, but I believe that there's something in that. Yes.
1: Where does France sit on the continuum? Okay. Or is it its own thing completely?
2: I thought that they were closer to the US queens in terms of their polish but I was extremely underwhelmed by their performances. So like they asked them to do a talent show. And you always, if you watch the US versions, and I think the UK ones as well, you see some good shit. There was this one who everyone was going crazy for her performance, like, because she played the saxophone. And I was like, this is not as good as when Bill Clinton played the saxophone on our city, O'Hall, in like 1991. <laughs> like, I feel like whatever she was up to, I could get there in six months, and I'm not particularly musical. <laughs> it was awkward and bad.
1: So will you see it through to the end?
2: I feel that the truth within me is that a lot of the time I watch Drag Race right before I go to bed. And can I be doing that with sub I Je ne sais pas.
1: Je pense que My quick watch is Rain Dogs.
2: Never heard of it.
1: Well, the strangest thing happened earlier. The writer followed me on Instagram.
2: You're such a bragger.
1: Or it was a bot or a publicist. I, d- I don't know what was going on. But, you know, someone follows you, you have a look at the bio, and it said, Screenwriter Director, Dogs, HBO... And that rang a bell, but it wasn't a show that I'd seen.
2: HBO and everything. Yeah, it's
1: shown on the BBC here. Um, So she is Cash Caraway, And what it was is this show came out while we were in the throes of watching Succession. And everything else went out the window at that point.
2: What a thing for those people who wrote the shows that came out then.
1: Because we were watching every episode three times for the podcast. And then we'd usually watch it for fun at least once or twice in the week so how we were watching anything else well the answer is we weren't really watching anything else so this show passed me by and it stars daisy may cooper but maybe i have this little prejudice where i think oh but if i'm going to watch daisy may cooper i want to see her in something she's written when in actual fact she's a great actor as this show proves because this show is really good really really what's it about So it's about a single mum. Her name is Costello. She has a nine-year-old daughter called Iris. The show opens on them being evicted. Uh Uh-huh. And she's skint. Uh Uh-huh. She works in a peep show. What? Yeah.
2: Peep shows, this is so naive and privileged of me, but peep shows are still going on?
1: I had no idea. Hmm.
2: You want to go to one?
1: Not really. I don't feel that coins and erotic (laughs) kicks go together for me. Yeah, no. No judgment for those who do.
2: Wait, so even now, if you go to a peep show, you're using coins. Surely you can like just scan your like Apple Watch or whatever.
1: No, I don't think peep shows have gone contactless. You are shitting me. But well, th- it's not portrayed in the show. Well, it's all very loose change based. Why don't
2: you DM your new friend and ask her if that's if she did her fucking research.
1: Oh, I think she did her research.
2: Did you follow her back?
1: Yeah. Um. So these are Costello's circumstances, but also she really wants to be a writer. And and that's one of the three lines. Her best friend it's called Selby. He's the gay best friend, but it's less of a cliche mm-hmm. than that suggests. We, When we first see him, he is being released from prison. Oh, And he's posh. He's a real dandy. He's got a touch of that old Soho character to him. And, and we know that he's violent. Oh. So he's a much more three-dimensional character than you might have thought when I said gay best friend. When he's been released from prison, I saw that his cellmate had pinups on the walls. Do you think the prison cell, the submarine bunk and the teenager's bedroom wall are the only remaining environments where pinups of busty models have been (laughs) attached to the walls?
2: That sounds right.
1: Did you have any uh, pinups?
2: Like boys I was into? Yeah. No, I didn't.
1: I had a poster of the kids from Fame on my bedroom wall, but when I was getting undressed, I would have to cover (laughs) up both Coco (laughs) <laughs> and uh, julie who was the cellist so, because i felt they were watching me uh,
2: so how would you cover them
1: i would take my dressing gown and i would kind of hang it off the curtain rail so it would cover the poster
2: uh-huh so then you're making it sound like you covered everyone but the only two that you were concerned yeah about.
1: i don't mind if mr Shirovsky sees me changing into my jim jams
2: <laughs> was it a male versus female or were there like women where you would have been okay with them seeing you
1: I think maybe Doris was having a peep, and it didn't bother me. She just wasn't doing it for me in the same way as Coco. You know, and she's Julie. a
2: person with feelings. <laughs> Can you imagine? There's some like gross little prepubescent boy, and even he's making you feel like less. She's than. yeah. <laughs> she's allowed to look at me with what, what she thinks doesn't matter <laughs> about my little child's body.
1: Well, I'm delighted to have discovered this show. The music is fantastic, which I think is often damning something with faint praise.
2: Yeah, it does sound that way. <laughs> but, it, but it
1: really works in the show. And just two episodes in, the characters are just people I want to spend more time with. It's so much its own thing. It doesn't feel like it's been in any way compromised in the way stuff so often does when it's been through a few layers of television executives. <laughs> We want to hear from you. Are there any reality shows you watch with subtitles? Yes. Also, who do you go to bed with?
2: Oh, uh, what's your little show that you put on? Yeah,
1: who are your bedtime friends inside of your TV?
2: Who are your bedtime friends and also like how do they if you are if you share a bed with someone, how does that work with you two together? Headphones in and you watch your little thing and they watch theirs, you guys have to agree on something together.
1: Let us know. I was thinking about Daisy May Cooper as well. Are there other examples of of people who are fantastic creators who are also great actors when they're in other people's stuff.
2: Oh, well, Daisy Haggard. Of
1: course, yeah.
2: Because she wrote, if I'm not mistaken, she wrote Back to Life. Yes. But now we see her in all this other stuff. She's very good.
1: So, any more of those, please? And what are you watching?
2: Fuck off at Firecroach and Now, my Patreon sell to you this week, it's not coming from me. It's coming from one of the listeners.
1: Is it a testimonial? Oh, yes.
2: Oh, my God. I'd love to start doing testimonials. That would be so great. Here's what Susie Little had to say. Dear Firecrotch and Normcore, the list is worth every cent. Now, the list, what she means is our watch list. If you join our Patreon page, we send you this link and it's just there. And you click it and all these recommendations come up for you. It is so good. It doesn't mean you feel like, wait, there was some episode with that- No, you can just like scroll through something. So time efficient. It is fucking worth three fucking pounds. You know what I've been getting very into right now? Go on. Oat, milk chai, baby. Yes, you have. Yes. I'm getting into an oat milk chai. I'm going in. It's what I'm doing. I'm trying to like, um. I'm trying to pare it back a little bit with my drinking. If you're thinking it's because I have a problem, you know I don't have a problem because you know about my fucking impressive moderation. But you girls know how it goes. Once in a while, the old trousers don't feel quite as loose as they once did. So I'm just trying to like make some light moderations. Anyway, the point is for an oat milk chai latte, you could have all of these wrecks, everything wasted, just at the at the flick of your finger, a non-sexual flick of your finger. So the list says, Susie, in our first testimonial, is worth every cent. This weekend, and she writes a shitty start to the New Zealand summer. New Zealand-based, we're so fucking international. I love us. And when I thought I had watched the entire internet, I was able to uncover time. Excellent. I cried. Thank you for the public service to people with time to stream TV everywhere. Susie. P.S. When is too soon for a Succession rewatch? P.P.S. The extended interviews are good too. This is the other thing that we give everyone. Three pounds a month, extended interviews with every guest that we have on with us each week. I have taken over the edit. The Patreon supporters that we have already, perhaps you have noticed. Oh, does the extended interview come out every Wednesday now? You love us. We're your little treat. You love us. What a fucking obnoxious sentence, but you do. (laughs) We're your little treat. You go, oh, it's my little treat. I get they like to watch. But then it's over and you think, God, I love them so much. What am I going to do? And then on Wednesday, boom, a whole other luxurious, slower, more real. I say 52-minute extended interview that we do. So come on. You heard it from Susie. She's from New Zealand. Sign up to that Patreon.
1: It's patreon.com stroke they like to watch. And coming up later, our guest is Jen Brister. She has a new stand-up special. It's called The Optimist. It's released through 800-pound gorilla. For anyone who is currently uninitiated into the joys of Jen, you tell us a bit about her.
2: Jen is this really... Formidable performer, I've always thought that about her. She has had this journey where she, as we alluded to before, has sort of been slogging away at it for about two decades. And then across the last year, she started posting all these clips online and they have all gone so insanely viral that she can now move a similar amount of tickets to someone, I think, like a Catherine Ryan, for
1: example, like someone who's sort of a
2: household name.
1: Slow and steady wins the race. Slow and
2: steady, motherfuckers. And what has helped her go, well, you know, what she has gone off, What she has gone viral off the back of, largely, but not entirely, are clips of her talking about parenting. Now, normally I don't like a a bit of of stand-up about parenting, because what it relies on is the funny shit that your kids did.
1: Kids do say the darndest things. They
2: do, and like once in a while, I kind of like that. But Jen, when we talked to her about this in the interview, Jen, what she does is tap into her rage as a parent in a way that is... Original and relatable and phenomenal to the extent that she has exploded and now sells out these like West End venues and it's fucking amazing.
1: So if you don't already, you're going to love her. Our guest later, Jen Brister. We need to make a statement. We know.
2: We know. We we know
1: that what we should be talking about this week is slow horses.
2: We are too far behind, I mean, too far behind, meaning we've watched like one episode, but our hope and our intention this week to get all caught
1: up with Slow Horses so that
2: at some point in the next couple weeks, our big watch can be Slow Horses season three. We know. So
1: now that's out of the way, let's talk about what we did
2: watch, which was recommended by your mother. Nepo mommy. So she sends us a link to this show called A Nearly Normal Family on Netflix and then says, we mentioned this to Jeff, just finished, six episodes, Swedish, very good. Now you've heard what you need to hear.
1: Swedish, very good.
2: And it's interesting. It's um. Not like, oh my God, top tier, top tier, top tier, top tier. There are a couple things about it that are like a little iffy, but that's really just it. I'm just being difficult. And really all we know is that we started it and we were instantly taken with it and then wound up spending much more time than we should have done because it was so good. We kept needing to see what would happen next.
1: And it's another one of these where it's quite difficult to talk about without being spoilery, but I think I can give you the premise. Okay. What would happen if a member of your family was accused of murder. I
2: know already what you're thinking. You're thinking I would be on the side of the other person. Yes. You get accused of murder. Mm -hmm. So probably... I'd feel less fear about you doing Prison Time than I would about feeling like I needed to ask you if you'd done it and how offended you would be by that question.
1: I I would be offended. I I just don't think I have a murderous quality to me.
2: No, you don't have a murderous quality to you. But the point of this film is that neither does the person who gets accused of murder. So we're already in the world of how could this ever possibly happen?
1: I just, you know, I assume... So so you'd be thinking, but how he's so puny?
2: Yeah, but you're scrappy. You're you you'd come up with a plan that would work. Whereas a thing that I have thought is that if somehow I did commit a murder, like in an act of self defense or something where I had to murder someone to protect myself or my kid, you, I'd let you die. But for me or our child, I think I could commit the the act. And then you know, like you see it presented in films and TV all the time that like the your first kill is like very disturbing. I don't think I'd be disturbed. <laughs> I think I'd be like, I don't know, it felt good. Like they tried to kill me or my child. And then I got to fucking, like, have you ever sliced an aubergine and thought that is very satisfying? No. You've never sliced an aubergine. A raw aubergine and been like, that feels fun. No.
1: And how is this relevant to your bloodlust?
2: Because I think that a knife going in, again, in defense of myself or my, or my child, I'm a mother. I think that I'd just be like, some unbelievable rage would overtake me that would allow me to be like, "Ah!" and it would be like, that was like a healthy release. Anyone? Healthy release?
1: Is anyone else listening to this and imagining a true crime documentary in 10 years time (laughs) replaying this clip?
2: I don't know. I think it'd be kind of feel kind of good.
1: Am I allowed to be offended that you wouldn't defend me? You're allowed to feel whatever you want to feel. That's what Oprah always says. You're just not always allowed to act on those feelings. (laughs) So you wouldn't do what George Harrison's wife did? When oh. an attacker broke into their house and started stabbing him. What did she do? Came after him with a big heavy lamp or something.
2: For, for the record, I would do that for you. I'd, I'd like try to bludgeon someone. Do you remember when I thought you were dead and I was sobbing and I kept using the word bludgeoned over and over? It was, <laughs> I was when like... I was still living in New York and I like couldn't get in touch with you. And I got so nervous that you were dead. I
1: think we're about a period of 45 minutes.
2: I think it was an hour, but it was just like <laughs> we had we had decided that we were good. like I, I it, you know, part of what I was responding to is the fact that you were so far away. And there was an out al- there's like a, a passage in Soho that was near where you used to work. And I was like, he went down that alley and he got bludgeoned. And I got hysterical. I called up my best friend. And I was like, I think he's been bludgeoned, bludgeoned. I kept saying the word bludgeoned over and over again, which I didn't remember. But then when I got back on the phone with my best friend and I was like, he's okay. She was like, Is it too early to discuss that you kept using the word bludgeoned? I was like, did I? And she's like, yeah, that was your whole thing was he'd been bludgeoned.
1: So this show, the, the family setup is mom, dad, only child.
2: Have you noticed that every time there's a child on screen, it's very frequently an only child? Yes. Because I think narratively, it's just an easier thing to handle.
1: <laughs> but as parents of an only child, we feel very seen and represented by television. Thank you general.
2: for representing thank us. You, thank
1: you. Um, the dad, initially, across the first episode, I found the most sympathetic character. Then there's a big reveal. You see him in his work clothes. He's a vicar. Plot twist, vicar. And I sort of, what is off with me that I now like him less because he's a vicar? He's doing good for his community. I also envy the communal singing.
2: Oh my God. Wait, this is on my what? My happiness podcast. They were talking to this guy and he's an academic. But da, 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 da. Anyway, they run all these... Um, experiments? They run all these experiments. I don't know that that's the right word, but you know what I'm trying to get at. And what they show across all these communities is that communities become more... Um, prosperous if there's communal singing.
1: You mean prosperous as in wealthy?
2: There's some connection between wealth and prosperity, and whether or not there are like choirs in the town. So do you think that's what
1: goes on at Davos? <laughs> <laughs> do you think that's what the Illuminati are doing behind closed doors? They're forming a glee club.
2: What I'm what I am actually saying to you, Jeff, is that this is the shit they're talking about in the Happiness Podcast.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell
2: and you. I think a similar thing would happen if you joined a local choir. Sing out!
1: Back to a nearly normal family, would you say the mum is the least sympathetic character? Yes. And we know this because on the image that Netflix have chosen to promote the show, she has a very stern expression.
2: Who has a sterner expression? Her in that photo or me all the time? (laughs) (laughs) I'm always trying to strike the right pose for myself but it drives you insane because you think I look much colder than I actually am.
1: You have such a lovely face and you have such a lot of warmth and you have such a beautiful smile. I just wish you'd let it out in front of the camera.
2: I would have such a lovely face if I could get my
1: eyes. Sarah. We
2: found out officially today about our our mortgage rate, and it's not quite as bad as we thought it was going to be. Still join the Patreon, but it's not great, and I don't know how I can possibly pitch it to you that I go on payment plan for iJob. So you don't need your eyes done. I do need my eyes done. Anyway, let's keep going. Um. So one of my light criticisms of this show, there's an affair going on. Great. Fine. Do you find, uh, if you're watching a show with your spouse and there's an affair... Does it make you guys uneasy? I feel like it makes us a little bit uneasy because you're like, I feel like you're giving me an energy from the other end of the sofa that's like, you better not find some hot salt and pepper guy to fuck you over the edge of the kitchen table like she's done. And I'm like, I would like to, but I'm not going to because we can track each other's phones. But... Um, what I feel I see a lot in, a, in, in, you know, TV shows of a certain quality is what is interesting is with affairs, people don't just go and find someone hotter than their spouse. It, that's not how affairs work. You go and you find someone who somehow makes you feel more special. I just want you to know if I ever had an affair, the only thing I'd be looking for is someone hotter than you. That's all. But that's a low bar. I would never have an affair with someone funnier than you or more charismatic or with a bigger brain. But, but I'd, I'd be all like, those
1: things are a low bar as well.
2: No, there, are, there aren't. there But I'd like find some, I'd find some guy who thought I was really, really funny, who's like a personal trainer or something. Like, I'd be like, let's fucking go. Are you actually finding this disturbing?
1: It's, it's, it's not the easiest thing to hear.
2: I'm trying to tell you that, that, what am I trying to tell you? I don't know. She fucks this guy. I feel like you're
1: hiding in plain sight. <laughs> no.
2: She fucks this guy who's hotter than her husband. And I don't actually think that's how affairs really go.
1: Uh... The, the teenage daughter at the heart of this story, she's likable except for one thing. Go on. When she's happy, she does a little skip as she walks. Mm. Do you think anybody has ever done that in real life Been <laughs> happy enough that they, they start skipping? I think it's something you exclusively see in drama and nobody has ever actually done that. No one's ever actually skipped. Before we wrap up this in-depth summary of An normal <laughs> <laughs> Family here's what you
2: need to know you should watch it it was really fucking good yes um there's some trigger warning stuff about sexual assault that people should know genuinely know that going in um but it was excellent but we're just not going to tell you anything about it because it'll ruin it yeah yeah
1: yeah you know i think what differentiates us from other television podcasts
2: there are no other television podcasts like ours we're offering something different to the other ones we we don't
1: need to do a plot breakdowns and character summaries because we all we want to do is say, look, we like this. We think you'll like it as well. And then you get to watch it with fresh eyes. You trust us. And then you don't need a lot of detail.
2: You sound very defensive.
1: (laughs) An early normal family, then. It's good.
2: Yes, I think think it goes to the top of your list, possibly.
1: Actually, The Curse, Fargo, they're at the top of the list.
2: Yes, I think those are probably slightly more expensive and more handsome pieces of television. But this is straight to the toppermost of the poppermost in terms of, wait, should we just do another? Wait, should we just do another? Get into it.
1: Send us an email. Why don't you go through the people in your family... And list the ones that you would, wouldn't be surprised if they were accused of murder.
2: Oh, yeah, that's funny.
1: Yeah. Also, have you ever joined a choir and become wealthy off the back of it? That's not what I said happened. <laughs> and, uh, and have you seen a nearly normal family? And you're thinking, oh, if you like this, I'll tell you what you'll really enjoy. If so, give us the recommendation.
2: Fuck off at firecratchandnormcore.com. And
1: coming up next.
2: My friend, the formidable
0: 100%.
2: So your journey, very quickly for people. She's a comedian, so respected by her peers. Everyone loves her, but she's doing the grind. She's been doing the grind a long time. Then, approximately a year ago, as we all start doing our social media clips, she just puts her shit online. And you have gone more viral than I think anyone else in our comedy community. And so you have gone from sort of a jobbing comic to one of the most successful touring comedians in the entire country in the course of a year after having
0: been at it for 20 years.
2: Is that a fair summary of the journey? (laughs) I'm leaving out some details, but is
0: that the overall arc of events? Yeah, I think so. I feel like the last 12 months has been that overnight success that you hear people talking about, definitely in terms of my tour, which was supposed to end in February of 2023, and I actually ended in November because we were extending it and extending it and extended it. And probably I could have continued for a couple of extra months, not that much longer. But I had started to feel dead inside.
2: So, so um, you're at a level now, let's just say it, that you can be like, <laughs> fuck off rest of the money because that's how successful you've gotten after 20 years grinding.
0: I've got to the point where I can now say, yes, I can, I can stop that there for a little bit. And that is a nice feeling, but it's, it's, I tell you what is a nice feeling is I feel vindicated Uh because I did feel for a long time, I thought, I mean, I'm not the best stand-up comedian in the world, but I think I'm okay. Okay. Why am I not getting the things and the whats and the blah, blah, blah? It's because there were
1: idiots between you and the audience <laughs> and with social media. Thank you, Jeff. Those people are taken out of the equation. Can I tell you something? I was talking about you in a complimentary way to somebody recently, and they had worked in that world of entertainment, television, and, and don't anymore, but said that one thing they'd heard when they brought your name up was people say, yeah, but, you know, we've got Sue Perkins. Like, like oh, the idea sure. because you're a lesbian and you've got short hair, then uh, you know you're exactly <laughs> the same as she is. <laughs>
0: Do you know what? That is so funny because I used to have a joke years ago. I mean, it wouldn't be a joke I'd do in in a show or anything because it's basically what Ginny Ashray said about Lenny Henry many years ago. But I did used to say, unless Sue Perkins <laughs> has a terrible accident, I don't think I'm ever going to get any work, <laughs> and I don't wish Sue any harm at all. But um, yes, I have, well, that's interesting. But it is, <laughs> but it's actually a
1: stupid mentality.
0: Like oh, we got one of
1: those. You know, I'm sure you get it with the American accent. Oh, we we got one of those. Like, Catherine Ryan sounds American-ish. And I, th- I think it's such an outdated mentality that persists in broadcast. And I think it's why broadcast is dying.
0: But it's in this country, which I think is interesting, because I'm now going over to America. Oh, I bet they because love Because I can't you. get the opportunities here. And whatever you say, of course, there are things that are great about this country and about the business over here. But what I do love about in the States is they're so driven by making money. They're like, we think we can make money out of you
1: we can commodify you
0: with
2: all yes! with all the travel that you're doing like is chloe like sad comedy widow who's like i love this has happened for you but i never see you anymore or is she like get the fuck out of my house make some money <laughs>
0: and I'll see you in two weeks and I love you, bye. I think probably more the latter than the former. I'm very
1: sad when Sarah's out working all the time. But, oh, but there isn't that money component to You're it. You're so you see, lovely. Could change things. Don't want to brag, but I'm going to make before.
2: £150 tonight in a Corsham.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I've done You've that, done gig, that gig what That's a gig thing. it is. She did yeah. that gig before she did the other gig. But what is she doing of an evening?
0: Oh, Chloe does, it's not... Um, I am one of those people. When I'm not working, I'm not doing anything. Do you understand? Yeah, <laughs> I'm not doing anything. Do ever, does it
1: ever occur to you? And I'm just going to give you the uh, the other person's perspective on this. That maybe that person who's been in on their own, like night after night after night after night, might like to do something.
0: Oh. Absolutely, Jeff. And there are times where Chloe's like, "Oh, I think it'd be really nice if we went out and we and I'm like, "Oh no, I can't go out." This is the I I, Jeff and I've been talking about this, and it's like
2: I don't want him to employ a sex worker, but I would not I don't, I don't want, want to want employ, to employ a, sex a sex worker. But I would. That's not Jeff's no, bag. It's not his bag. But I do think we could sort of benefit from like an emotional worker, like like a companion worker, where I, I think you're could describing like, a dog. Yeah, he needs a dog. We need a dog.
1: What do you think um, <laughs> Chloe says about your stand-up to her friends? Like, is she your biggest well, fan?
0: No, I wouldn't say so. Is anyone's partner their biggest? Apart from you, Jeff. I mean, you're just insanely supportive. It's it's <laughs> like when uh, Agneta from ABBA <laughs> married a stalker.
1: <laughs> Sarah, just give me the look, which is we, we need to talk about oh, the special. We have here. special questions. Um, yes, I guess like one of the first things I wanted to ask you about it is I think one of the ways in which you've really connected with people is is through the parenting stuff, and I wanted to know what do you think that itches that you're scratching for people? Is it that we all think that we are terrible
0: parents? I think so, and I think a lot of people particularly for women there's so much guilt attached to being a a mother and I've always been very honest about not enjoying bits of it and there are certain times when I've had conversations with women at you know mother and baby groups where I might have said something and they've gone oh oh I don't I don't well I don't feel that way or oh I don't think you should say that and I was like oh people don't like it when you say that okay well let's see what happens if I say that out loud on stage and see what reaction it gets let's see how many people hate me after I say this And the opposite started to happen. And I think uh, perhaps maybe when confronted with it on a one-to-one, people didn't want to be honest about it. But then they can be honest about it if someone is on stage saying it out loud and they are laughing and they can go... I'm going to share this with a friend and see what they think. And then the friend goes, oh, fucking hell, that's me. I hate playgrounds. So I think it's just that's like, isn't, and, 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 isn't comedy just no, a, a valve, there's, isn't there's, it? That, to... There's that um,
1: sort of comedy rule as well, isn't there? That the key to the um, universal lies in the specific. And the more you think this is insane, this is just me, the more if you say it out loud, okay, mo- maybe not everybody will do that exact same behaviour, but there'll be something in it. That is yeah. really relatable to people.
0: Yeah, and I and I think comedy for me is about uh connection. And so you can't make a connection if you're not being completely honest.
1: How often is it that you'll do that thing and it turns out no, just me?
0: <laughs> <laughs> um I think it happens it can happen quite a bit sometimes. I think when my mum died, it was something along the lines about like how she'd fucked it up for me, even from the grave or something like that. I can't remember. And then I did a conversation talking to my mum where we had a row about how she'd fucked up my career. I can't remember. (laughs) It was something really stupid. Oh my God. And i would got Rachel Stubbings directing my show and she's great. But one thing to know about Rachel is she's so dark. So she was like, yeah, this is brilliant. (laughs) Do it on stage. And so I did. And then eventually after doing it for like a couple of weeks, I went, I think maybe we should skip this bit. She went, Yeah, I'm amazed you even did that. Did you do that bit? I thought you were joking. I went, mate, I've been doing it for two weeks. She's like, oh, no, don't do that. I was thinking as well why your
2: parenting stuff has done this particular thing for you. Is it when a lot of people talk parenting, it's some variation of my kid did a crazy thing and your thing, if you boil it down, is my fucking rage. And the angle on it was therefore actually like much more original and I think authentic. And that is part of the key of Anger your... is
1: the fuel of good comedy. Yeah.
2: Um. I <laughs> wanted to talk about one of your bits in your special which was you talking about teaching your then five-year-old twins to use walkie-talkies. And it's hilarious. And from when that happens and the kids are doing this thing to when it becomes the barnstorming part of a set that you could close anything on. Take me through that process. Did you just say it on stage one night? Did you sit down and write it out? How did that go?
0: With all of the set pieces that I do or certainly the ones that are the most successful. And if I think back to the clips of mine that have gone viral, so the playground clip, and the one where my my mum can't pronounce my brother's name and there's another one where I talk about mothers and daughters. These are all things I've improvised on stage or oh I've God. had an idea and it's been in a work-in-progress show and I've written something down like uh, walkie-talkies and then I did that over stages. So, so to say I wrote it is probably... <laughs> <laughs> Making me sound a lot more cerebral than I am, but i uh, performing that 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 took like several stages to get to to the point where it did but the 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 bits about the um can you hear me over, yes, I can hear you over that bit. That was the bit that I started with. So, like, they were honestly, they were just standing next to each other, two feet away from us, just asking if they could hear each other. It's like, are you fucking kidding me? This isn't the point. The whole point is that you're not near each other with a walkie-talkie. So, all of these, things, <laughs> all of these things are were like, were just perfect for comedy, aren't they? You just they, they write themselves.
2: There are a lot of American accents that come up, not in a flattering way, across. <laughs> Her show. <laughs> I'm going to put too many questions into one thing here, but I got to okay. the end of the special. And to some extent, I was like, it is shocking that we're friends, Jen, because number one, you hate Americans.
0: <laughs> They're fucking punchlines. <laughs>
2: number two, you talk a little bit about open water slash cold water swimming as um, an acceptable hobby. And you talk, about, <laughs> just, you talk about adult coloring as an unacceptable. Now, I do adult coloring and I don't enjoy open water swimming or people yeah, you, who do, you do it.
1: Go open she cuz
2: she fucking does cold water. She's like it's the winter, body and colds. I have a couple of specific questions and I'm going to okay. go for one now. Okay. I see women in my neighborhood in a particular jacket. <laughs> I it's bet. camo on the outside, bright pink on the inside. I fucking <laughs> yes. hate it. Just go do whatever swimming you're going to do but not in the camo and the fluorescent pink coat. I then yeah. watch your special. I'm loving it. This is that woman that I fell in love with. Oh, she's so great. Oh, what a great <laughs> she fucking owns that fucking coat.
0: But I, I Jen, don't do
2: you actually I don't. own that fucking no. coat?
0: I do own one of those coats, but it's not camo. When I first improvised that bit about the camo, I did it, it, it at the Comedia in Brighton and I knew... Like, anyone who's got a dry robe in this bloody room has got a camo one with a pink hood. And it got such a big laugh yeah. that I just kept it right. in the okay. show. Okay.
1: What happens if you go to Congleton and try the same material? <laughs>
0: Well, it doesn't go everywhere, but I, I have to say like anywhere that's sort of near water. So I thought, will this bit go well in like Newcastle or will it go well? It's like any town that's near water, everyone gets the camo and the pig. Wow. Right? Like, oh yeah, we've got those bricks here. Wow. Yeah. But um, for people who don't understand what I'm talking about, we're talking about dry robes. Okay. So coats that you would wear when you come out of the cold water, you can wrap up warm Outdoor dressing uh, and, gowns, but they're completely waterproof and they're so cozy. Okay, now I'm going to return to the accent thing. I've got uh, a Sarah Barrow. Oh that no, I can no, no no, yeah, no, yeah. no, no! Because I, my favorite ever thing to do, and you're the only person whose voice notes I listen to again. That's so sweet. I'm, I'm going to
1: close my eyes and see if I can tell who's speaking. So,
0: <laughs> so okay, so like Sarah's like. Jen, hi. Okay, so listen, I got something. Now, I know what you're going to say. Before you say no, what I want, because I know you're busy, you got kids, you got things to do. Look, I don't want to even talk about this because this is, I'm so bad. Okay, here we go. What I'm trying to say is, and if you have time and if you don't, I want you to be able to say, no, I don't, I don't want you to feel pressure. You know, I love you. You're a busy woman. You've got comedy. You've got kids. Look, the point is, and I'm going to get to the point very soon. I don't know when, but very soon I'm going to tell you exactly what I need from you. And then you can say yes. You can say no. It doesn't really matter to me. But look, here we are together having a conversation. Well, we're not because it's just me. Oh, I God. want to know, can you, if this is possible, please say yes. If not, Say oh, no. Do this thing. If not, here it is. Thank you very much. Okay. You know I love you. i got to go. Bye.
1: Now, I think she really has got the fact that you're not a woman of few words.
2: Joanne McNally said to me once she went, and I won't do her accent, but she was like,
0: <laughs> the, Irish, I can't do the Irish accent, but she was like, she's like, no, do a walk in apology. I was like. <laughs> That's not good. When people do an impression of me, they're like, it just sounds very aggressive and angry. And you doing yourself no...
1: sounds like Michael
0: Caine. <laughs> I'm and I'm Jay Prister, and I am a very aggressive lesbian. Uh...
2: Okay, so as you were going viral, and then you went more and more and more and more, and I was like, is is this just living the dream? And you were like, well. A little bit, but at the same time, with all of the new fans, come all of these trolls. And I'm like, but why does a troll matter, right? Because they're a crazy person. And you were like, "Mm, but it does a little. And I would love you to speak about why.
0: It absolutely doesn't matter. But I think it was just the volume of them at that Mm. point was overwhelming and so if if you're scrolling you might see two dozen really lovely positive things and then you might see half a dozen people saying that you're the worst thing that ever happened to comedy Uh, and then those are the things that you just remember
1: would you go as far as checking their profiles to see if they were wearing MAGA hats (laughs) I know because it's very so I understand that feeling say it's somebody with laser sharp opinions on comedy that are rarely wrong and a brilliant
0: critical mind but but what does Uh, it matter that what a bunch of morons think I mean, it doesn't. It absolutely doesn't. But just at that point, which would be about this time last year or sort of going into the new year, I, was, I, I, I had a, quite a bit of anxiety about mm. it, which I, I, which I couldn't have anticipated. Because huh. if you'd have said to me, how would you feel if this happened? I would have said, I would be having the time of my life. But actually how I felt was like I was under the microscope.
2: How involved were you in like the nuts and bolts of the special? Like, how are the decisions getting made about who was directing, how it was getting shot, how it was getting lit, the venue, all that kind of stuff?
0: I knew that I wanted to work with Turtle Canyon and they understand that they want the special to look in a particular way, which is the way I want it to look. I don't want it to look like like an extension of Live at the Apollo. Do you know what I mean? But you can say, look, I don't want loads of cutaways to the audience. So can we take those out? I mean, like, who gives a fuck if they're laughing or not? It doesn't it. I matter. It. I don't. I just can't bear it. It. it re- I think a couple of times they had to use it for continuity. Yes. They're yes. like, it's just, it's we can't get from this bit to this bit without this yeah. bit. So I was like, okay, we'll keep that in, but otherwise, put the camera on me. <laughs> That's my show. It's More my of my special. face, please. More me, please. Um, but you know, I was talking to you about this, Sarah, and I think uh, this is true of. All comedians, you know, I I can't watch it because my show changed so much as the tour went on. That that iteration of the show to me feels ancient. So is,
2: is that the you problem? Know, even the, the endings changed. That's the problem. Is that you 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 now are kind of like oh god, if I could shoot it again tomorrow,
0: oh it would be a different show. It would be a complete, well, not completely different show. That's a lie. Uh, it would be a very similar show, but it would be different, <laughs> and the ending wouldn't be the same. And I would have cut out bits, and there were other bits that I would have added. But you're writing something that is a pretty accurate sort of uh, time capsule of who I am now, Mm -hmm. you know. And so when I look back at my show, Meaningless, I think, fucking hell, that was because I wasn't on HRT. (laughs) That's what was going on there. But ultimately, I'm not that angry anymore because I've got... I've got oestrogen in my body again. All right, we have to let her go soon. So
1: aside from your show, what should people be watching?
0: I haven't been watching a great deal of TV, but a while ago I did watch Tiny Beautiful Things. Oh, well, this um, hasn't come up. I watched it because Catherine Hearn's in it and I love oh, her. Yes, And Merritt Weaver is in it as well and I love her. I don't her. know who Merritt Weaver is. She played the kooky nurse in Nurse Jackie. She was also in Godless. Uh, another brilliant limited series, which you can watch on Netflix if you haven't seen that. And she is in Tiny Beautiful Things. And it's about a woman whose life is falling apart in every way. And she gets a job working as an Agneon. And it really treads a fine line between being absolutely teeth-itchingly sugary and being quite naturalistic. I'm sold. Also, before we go, we never did address the adult colouring. <laughs>
2: um, all I'll say... I went through like in in the deepest lockdown. So it was like no school, but it's winter and I broke mentally. And Jeff was like, do you want a coloring book? and i was like maybe <laughs> <laughs> and so i would sit and i thought, like when we would sort of watch tv at night and i would just color my flowers <laughs> and i said I, he said like what what subject would be interesting dude and i was like maybe flowers or trees <laughs> I do love colouring and I do love Jennifer Brister. Isn't she a darling? She's a dream. She is a dream. She's a dream. You know, it's funny because like, as she talked about a little bit, like the title, The Optimist, is sort of a joke because she's so negative in her way, but it's just underscored by her total sweetness as
1: a person. Negativity underscored by sweetness. What a combination.
2: And this is how and why in a, a profession of incredibly jealous and competitive people, all anyone can do is celebrate her tremendous success.
1: The Optimist is out now through 800-pound Gorilla. Email time. Have we had any Christmas e-cards in the inbox yet? No Christmas e-cards. And I have some sad news. What is it? No more
2: Mads Mickelson moments.
1: Well, we'll always have the moments that we had together with Mads Mickelson.
2: This first email comes from Jan McVerry, friend of the pod.
1: Cherry McVerry.
2: And uh, she writes, Dear FCNNC, have you talked at all about winners, the rise of the Lakers? Stay open, Jeff. Do you know who the Lakers are? A team. Do you know what they play? One you're... of the American games. Okay. You're you're, you're going to win money if you get this right. So don't act like intentionally obtuse. What sport do they play? The
1: Lakers. Are they in Los Angeles?
2: Yes. Okay.
1: I think there's an episode of Curb Enthusiasm. You can do this. So
2: what sport are they playing? You've got the harder part, which is that they're the LA Lakers.
1: I think they are basketball because I yes. think Larry goes to a game you fuckers fucking six, see that my
2: husband knows fucking everything he wins, he wins like every trivia game he ever plays and that's the <laughs> fucking man I married right there and you know what's so fucked is that I have a very clear like a core memory of being I think it like awake or something kind of depressing and people started playing Trivial Pursuit and my dad won because my dad could win everything like that and the, the associative delight that I, I was like my daddy won my daddy won my daddy knows everything and I fucking wound up marrying this guy who puts me through my fucking paces. He's so depressive. He's very difficult. He drains me every fucking day. But if there's a fucking trivia game, he knows nothing about sport and he still fucking got there. Did you see that shit? I'm very impressed with you. I want more of that winner's attitude, okay? Right. Jan continues. We were recommended by a mate with good taste, but I was still dubious. I know sweet fuck all about basketball, but it's about so much more. Racism, sexism, narcissism, and dysfunctional family ties with a superb soundtrack. Oh, a pilot directed by Adam McKay, and music by Nicholas Bratel.
1: Oh,
0: Hello. Okay, okay. It
2: should have been a clue to its pedigree. The casting is phenomenal. John C. Riley in the part of his career, I mean, she's giving me chills here. This is a very, very hard sell. Adrian Brody, plus a kid called Quincy Isaiah, who will blow your tiny minds. And although it deals with rampant misogyny, it's very sexy. Not your usual penis in vagina, cliched stuff, but sex that women enjoy. When you get the showrunners on, yes, Sarah, I have faith. Thank you, Jan. You know what I'm capable of. I'd love to know if that was a deliberate, creative decision. Great to see so many episodes directed by women too. Only downside, you'll get very hung up on the wig, Sarah. Besos y abrazos, Jan. Jan, you've sold me. I don't know when, I don't know how, but I will get to this show, I can promise you.
1: This comes from Emma Flack, who says, Dearest FC and NC, a bad guy trope in soaps is wearing a grey hoodie. Yes. In Emmerdale Farm, ages ago, there was a serial killer, Cameron, who put his hoodie up just before he did anything <laughs> evil. Hood down and you were safe. Great. And in terms of putting the ick in me, the mountain killing Oberyn. Oh, uh, Pedro Pascal. Breaking his skull in Game of Thrones is what did it. Just thinking about it now makes me feel sick. Didn't he get his thumbs and jam them into his eyeballs as well?
2: Oh, I have no... Remember, I've I've blocked everything to do with Game of Thrones. I'm offended I was ever into it. I offend myself. I know it was kind of good in its way, but I've blocked it.
1: Big Love, M. P.S. Sarah, I recorded more than one of your rants about and just like that to WhatsApp to the friends I would love stroke hate watch it with. We thank you. It is
2: a pleasure to serve.
1: This next email comes from Ellen
2: Hooper. Ellen writes, Hi FCNNC, longtime listener, third time emailer. Thrilled to have you back. On the subject of sisters making things, because the other week we were like, all these brothers, where are the sisters? My sister and I are in the process of making a podcast together. It won't come out for a few months because we don't know how anything works, but we will get there because we're sisters and girl power and such. It made me think I can now sign up to the Patreon and claim it as a tax deduction for research. That's right. Yes. Yes. Write us off, bitch. I'm so happy to have you on board.
1: If you're looking for something to write off to get yourself beneath a certain tax threshold i heartily recommend our patreon
2: oh my god yes use us as a write-off if at all pass i'd be thrilled to be that for you
1: i mean it's it's better that the money goes to us than schools and hospitals Yeah, no,
2: no schools and hospitals don't need it as much that's the truth <laughs> also the thing that put the poison in and is also the best show in the world is the handmaid's tale i've i've I, everyone says it's so good i feel I've, i'd be too traumatized so i've always avoided I think about it all the time. It's terrible for my mental health, but I will be prepared for a conservative revolution and I will get out early. Love the pod. Bye, Ellen. Ellen, I love that for you. And best of luck with your podcast. Sisters,
1: do it for yourselves. And we want you to stuff our inbox with email, mm. please. Uh, the email address is? Fuck off
2: at firecratchandnormcore.com And also this week, Grace Moore thinks we should watch Blue Eye Samurai. She does an amazing it, but it's a cartoon and I need to open my heart to it. We watched an episode
1: of The Simpsons the other week and you did fine with it.
2: I know, but that's calm. Anyway, listen, Grace, I hear you. I need to get over the cartoon hump. I know that I do. Sophie Hagen thinks we should watch Unit 1. She and I were backing and forthing about Mads mickelson because of course they're both um danish and sophie was saying that the show that made his name in Denmark is this thing called unit one so she's like you've got to get into it if you haven't seen it Uh
1: uh-huh did she say anything mean about me are you gonna she's always mean to me sophie she enjoys being mean to me
2: fuck off no sophie's been nothing but nice to me and that's what actually matters she comes (laughs) to my shows in edinburgh i love her so i'm in in a war i'm saving her over you just so you know sharon thinks we should watch Slow Horses, we know, we know, we hate ourselves. Susie thinks we should watch Slow Horses, we know, we know, we hate ourselves. So we will watch Slow Horses because we hate ourselves.
1: This week, Jen Brister liked to watch Tiny Beautiful Things, which you can find on Disney Plus, and Godless, which you can find on Netflix. Sarah watched Drag Race Francaise on Wow Presents Plus. I watched Rain Dogs, which in the UK is on BBC iPlayer. I think it's HBO elsewhere. And we watched Nearly Normal Family on Netflix.
2: Are you listening in the lane? So it's that time of year now, guys we getting a choir going to increase up no, 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 was If we didn't cut it off, it was going to get real uncomfortable right. for people. So listen, it's that time of year. What are you doing this weekend? First of all, if you're alone, we love you and you're not alone. And so if this is a triggering time of year, I'm here for you and I'm holding you in
1: that space. And so is your television.
2: And so is your television. Yes, sweetheart. That's a really good point. Saturday, we're going with our son to a school fair. This has been the year that I've made peace with the fact that I hate the school fairs. I love the school fair. Yeah, I get my allergies going in the jumble sale. (laughs) You're outside, it's cold. I don't know, I just, I don't like um, natural light on my face. (laughs) I don't hate it, I'm not like, oh, fuck me, the school fair. It's not that, it's the year that I have made peace with the fact that I'm not like, ooh,
1: goodie. It's such a lovely sense of community. And then
2: also it's the time of year where I have to start doing Christmas shows in the night, but then Sunday, I don't work, and we're going to get our tree on Sunday, which means the first thing when I get up is i got to start untangling the lights.
1: In a lot of families, the dads do the
2: lights, but I have to do the lights in our fucking family.
1: Because of my fine motor skills. Just.
2: So I'm gonna get that part done and then we'll trim. So that's what we're doing. It'll like be sweet. And you know, we'll put on some Christmas music and I'll try not to get too angry while I'm doing the lights. I hope you have a great week yourself. By the next time we talk to you, we'll be really in the full swing of December. Sleigh bells ring. Do you see how I'm the lead and he's the backup? Have a great week. Bye.